630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. All right, they are on the ice. Five members of your Edmonton Oilers skated today at Rogers Place as we go into phase two of the NHL's return to play protocol. Matt Benning, Chris Russell, Alex Chason, Tyler Benson, Stuart Skinner. Now, of course, we are still a ways away from training camp and games being played, but another baby step forward for the National Hockey League. You'll hear some comments from Matt Benning as we roll along tonight. We will also dive into a pretty big story. U Sports canceling the fall. That is true. The fall is canceled in U Sports. There will not be any games in any sport in Canadian university sports. So that means some seasons are wiped out. Most high-profile football. So no U of A Golden Bears football season. The Vanier Cup will not be awarded for the first time in its history. You'll hear from Chris Morris, the head coach of the U of A football team. Cross-country running, soccer, rugby, field hockey also fall by the wayside. As for sports like hockey, volleyball, basketball, they will not start until January. And, of course, there is still the possibility that they will not start at all, uh, looking at a drop-dead date of October 8th for making that decision. So tough for university sports. That is really, uh, really hard to hear. So uh, we'll get some comments from Chris Morris as we move along tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thank you so much for tuning in. It is Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630. Chad, you are welcome to participate in the program. The phone number to call is the same number to text. 780-496-0063. That is our open line and also our text line. There's another way you can participate. You can go online, 630ched.com, globalnews.ca, and this just launched about an hour ago. Bob Stoffer and I will have some discussion coming up in a few minutes. It's pretty fun. It's a good off-season kind of topic, and it is still the off-season, even though the players skated today. You can vote for the Edmonton Oilers All-Time All-Stars. Presented by 630 Ched and Global News Hour at 6. Vote for the players you feel are the greatest Oilers of all time. So there's uh, extensive lists at all positions. You pick six forwards, four defensemen, two goalies, and a coach. You can vote until Saturday at midnight, and then you tune into 630 Ched and Global News Hour at 6 all of next week to see if your favorites make the cut. They're going to unveil a position set uh, every day, Monday through Thursday. So that is kind of fun. And uh, Bob and I will discuss that in a few minutes. Okay. But we want to take you to uh, what happened at Rogers place today. Look, it was five players on the ice. There were no coaches. They hadn't skated in a while, but they did get out there. And here's defenseman Matt Benning on the return to the ice. Um, I mean, we've been training and that sort of thing. It's one thing to train and it's another thing to get on the ice. And I think on your first ice session, you're, you're more or less trying to get your, your legs under you and your feet on under you. So I think we spent a good 15, 20 minutes and in, in kind of just getting getting that part of our game uh, dialed in and, and getting used to our edges. Um, some people can get, can get out there and, and pick up where they left off. But um, I'm speaking for myself. It's it's uh, If I'm off the ice for two days, it feels like I've never skated in my life before. So um, three months was... was uh, a little nerve-wracking, but I, f- I felt a lot better uh, than than what I expected. Um, I think Alex Chason kind of took took the reins on the drills, and and you know what? Uh, like we've we've done a lot of drills um, throughout our careers, and uh, 
it's more more or less a, just a conversation and, and what we want to accomplish for the skate and and uh, but most of the drills were, were uh, chasers drills. All right, there's a little bit from Matt Benning. So Alex Chason, who uh, I guess he and Chris Russell, the veterans in that group, Chason kind of took the lead. So they're out there skating. This is th- these are off season workouts. That's where we're at. So. I don't want to get you too excited, but it but it is a step forward that the the rinks are open. I mean, we had Nuge on on Friday. He's already been skating in Vancouver with Ujar Kara, but these are actual Oilers using the Oilers facility. Training camp, I don't think, is going to be before July 14th. I know the July 10th date has already been out there, and then we're still probably looking at early August for there actually being games for this modified postseason tournament to get underway and as you know the Oilers would play Chicago in a best of five qualifying the round the way that is currently set up they still have to put out the dates for training camp they still have to put out the dates for the games they still have to pick the hub cities still a couple of weeks away from that Edmonton remains on a list of 10 Edmonton Vancouver and Toronto are the three Canadian cities identified as being in the final 10 now if the Oilers uh, or pardon me, if Edmonton were picked, we don't even know for sure if the Oilers would play here. They might make the host teams go to the other hub city, but possibly uh, Edmonton could be a hub, which would be a, a pretty interesting situation for Matt Benning because he would have to be away from someone he doesn't know yet, but who's going to be a pretty special part of his life. Having the hub city in Edmonton would be an unbelievable experience for for everybody. Um it would help the economy here, which would be a great, um, but I mean, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm kind of conflicted on, on that. Um, I mean, my wife's due in two or three weeks. Um, so when that kind of all starts up, obviously it would it'd be, uh, such a tease for me that, uh, I can't, I can't drive 10 minutes down the road and see my, my new baby. So, um, that's something that I'm just going to have to handle, um, as it goes and kind of roll with the punches. But, um, you know what, our, our facilities are, are so big. There's, there's lots of space. And, and, um, I mean, I think that if, if we're in the running, it's, it's, it's legitimate. And, and, um, just from what I experienced today, going to the rink and going through everything that, um, they know what they're doing and, and I have confidence in them. All right, so uh, that is uh, Matt Benning, and so he's and we, we t- we've talked a lot about this. That how would players handle not being near their families? Would there be some pushback for that? There certainly was. Some players were more vocal about it. Some weren't, or some just said, "We'll go play." Benny's in an interesting situation. He's about to become a dad. Uh, I mean, he could have a child that's a- about a month old when he has to go off and play games and potentially be away for a long time. You got to remember. There are going to be eight teams who are eliminated in about a week. The first round's best of five. So even if it goes the distance, that's that's 10 days. You, you get to the new city maybe a couple of days ahead of time. You could be gone two weeks and then you're done. And then there'll be another eight teams eliminated in a couple of weeks. So 16 of the 24 teams that are going to be in the postseason tournament will be done within a month. So in the grand scheme of things, it'll just be like a really long road trip that they'll be away from their families. But the teams that do better part of the the trade-off will be that they will be away from their loved ones for a while okay it is 780-496-0063 to call or text we'll have a little more on uh benning being on the ice some comments from him as we move along tonight golden bears football coach chris morris is ahead as his 2020 season is done and we'll visit with my buddy bob stoffer when we get back
There are certain questions in sports that I just find really interesting. And these are the types of questions that you have with your buddy or some other fans. And they're total hypotheticals. And they're just kind of fun discussions to have. But one of the ones I have always loved is how long does a player have to be with a team to be considered one of the all-time greats for the franchise? And you can't really take into account anything else he's done in his career. We all know that Wayne Gretzky is, is the greatest hockey player ever. But would you really list him as a St. Louis Blue franchise all-star? I mean, I, I wouldn't be comfortable doing that. Usually I would say a player has to be somewhere at least three years, usually, you know, five or six at a franchise to really say of all the players – and for a lot of franchises, it goes into the thousands that of all the players, he is one of the all-time greats. So what, So along those lines, one of the questions, that, one of the debates I love having with people, that if you're picking, say, a top four defense for the Edmonton Oilers, do you pick Chris Pronger, who was only here one season? And in most cases, I would say no. You can't pick a guy who was there one season. But when it comes to the Oilers... I pick Chris Pronger because, you know, after the, the 80s, they've had some pretty good defensemen. They haven't had a lot of awesome, great defensemen. And Pronger was that. And the year he was on the team, they went to the Stanley Cup final. And I believe for those two months in the playoffs, I don't think Chris Pronger was just the best defenseman on the Oilers or the best defenseman in the playoffs, I think he was the best hockey player on the planet. I really think that's how much Pronger elevated. So I would put him on there, and I'm voting for him as one of the defensemen on our Oilers all-time all-stars on 630shed.com. As I now allow my good friend and a man never shy to politely refute my arguments, Bob Stoffer to the show. Well, while you're listening to that, I was watching the video of the Minnesota mayor uh, get verbally abused and have people come up to him and throw stuff at him. At uh, you know, 90% of the protesters were nice and quiet, and the other 10% were complete and total asshats. And uh, so it was uh, it was an interesting. You know, you were so eloquent in your approach, and what I was seeing on television was the justification for why people are able to conduct themselves like that as uh, Minneapolis decides, read whether or not they're going to disband the police. So uh, when it comes to Chris Pronger, uh, was he the police uh, for the Edmonton Oilers back in 05-06? No, he was the best player from Mark Messier until Taylor Hall was here. So uh, I don't care that he was only here one year. That was an unbelievable year. It was a year that... Uh, I, you know, gave the Edmonton Investors Group something that I'm sure they never thought was going to happen. It was incredible. Uh, you know, Morley and Rod did the games that year. Uh, I did make it into Carolina for Game 5 and Game 7 as I was on the other uh, station at that time. And that doesn't happen without Chris Pronger. And had the Oilers won the Stanley Cup, Chris Pronger would have won the Consmite. So after, I, I know what, t you know, we have these shows literally between, we've been doing these shows, this type of concept that Global TV is doing, Concert with Chet, uh, you know, Global News Hour has been doing with Kevin Carius there. We, we've been doing this sort of sh concept of shows for years on Oilers now, dating back to when you were a big part of uh, helping us out with it. Now, of course, you got your own baby going. So I, I, all day I got Chris Pronger on the team. I mean, there's some obvious automatics. Paul Coffey's an automatic. Wayne Gretzky's an automatic. Grant Fear's an automatic. I think if you're in the Hockey Hall of Fame, the Oilers have six of them. 
they're all automatics to be on the team, which means four, uh, you know, we've, we've got four. Well, you need six forwards, right? Is that right? Reed, is that how yep. this is working? Yep. So you got four of your six forwards. Uh, you got one of your four defensemen. You got one of your two goaltenders. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to put McDavid and Drysaddle uh, as the other two forwards on the team just because they've gone to a different level than Taylor Hall did. Uh, and then on defense, uh, you know, besides Coffey and Pronger, uh, I'm going to have Kevin Lowe on the team, and I think there's a distinct possibility. We might be talking about Kevin Lowe as the seventh Hall of Famer, and I'm going to have to think long and hard about who the other defenseman's going to be. Well, I have uh, Honey on. I have Honey yeah. on. I mean, he was really yeah. good. He, 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 he was a pretty good all-around player. Steve Smith was a very good defenseman and played – a pretty important role in the 88-90 Stanley Cup championships when the Oilers won differently than they'd won in the past. And then I got Ranford behind Fear as the other goaltender. So, so, and you can make an argument, you know, I know Ranford won the one con slice, but Curtis Joseph won the two series in back-to-back years. That's a strong argument. So it's a fun exercise, and I hope people get a part of it. I actually picked Cujo over Ranford. I, I did the voting already tonight, Bob, and I should remind people they can go all week, they can check back every day, and it's kind of funny you're talking about debating between Fewer and Ranford. Right now, Fewer is easily ahead at 46%. Ranford's at 16.25, and Joseph is at 16.11. That might be the most interesting race throughout the week is who's, who's after uh, fewer and you know Rolson's on there I imagine he might get some steam with some younger voters if they start going to the poll so I think that might be the most the second goalie might be the most interesting race to watch where's Kevin Lowe on the fence if you got because I don't have a computer up in front of me right now is he in the top Kevin Lowe's right now is second to coffee that's awesome well that's good well that's you know I, because obviously there's uh there's a a percentage of the fan base that uh, you know what if if they objectively look at how important Kevin Lowe was to that defense for a number of years and and you know and again I and I'm going to remind the listeners right now Guy Carbonell got in the Hockey Hall of Fame last year three Stanley Cups he was voted on well he was actually not even voted an All Star once selected an All Star once in the uh, veterans category okay I know he won three Selkie trophies but Kevin Lowe was a seven time all-star and won six Stanley Cups. He, he measures up very well in comparison to E. Car- Carbonell. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I'd be surprised if Kevin's not a uh, Hall of Famer uh, here in the next uh, month or so. You know, I, I'm just going to bring this up, Bob. I didn't know we were going to roll down this uh, this avenue, but you brought up when uh, you, you, you still host Oilers now, obviously, and I produced it the first couple of years you were on Ched. And I always remember it was, it was in, in the summer. It probably was in July. Uh, and I got my Eskimos media pass, and they put my last name as Wilkinson. And I took a picture of it and tweeted it out with probably some line that I thought was funny, but no one else did. And we, I remember, Bob, we had a, we had a, we were trying to get a guest for 1230 or one and it wasn't coming through and we were stuck in ideas. And then you saw this, this photo and I think you called me and said, that reminded me of Tom Wilkinson. And you said, don't try to get a guest. You and I will just chat and we'll do top five Edmonton athletes of all time. And then we did that for like 90 minutes of the show and got tons of feedback. And obviously some of the Oilers ones were, were pretty obvious. And I, and what was fun for me that day was Warren Moon was an automatic, especially for people probably 
well, 40 and 40 and over. Like it's probably, I mean, maybe he's not as well known with younger fans, but you know, very revered for that era. And he and Gretzky were pretty much the two automatics on the lists. Well, I mean, you know, those shows morphed and, and often they are summer targets because we're talking about the minutia of the day to day of the Edmonton Oilers during the season. And man, I wish we could do that right now. Uh, you know, but what's happened is call-in shows have become texted shows. Read as you know, and people are texting you right now at seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. What what I've noticed on Twitter, especially, is that you know when I put out the stuff from the eighty four to ninety, the response is not near that as it is for the 06 run, which is, again, part of the reason why, for me, Pronger makes a lot of sense. People need to get past the fact that Pronger requested a trade out of here, what he elevated the orders to was special. Now, I wouldn't call him one of the greatest five athletes of all time. That's a given. Uh, but I do think that Tom Wilkinson's an Edmonton sporting icon. Warren Moon's in the NFL Hall of Fame. I mean, you know, five great cups in the six years that he was here, and the other year that he was here, he won the Shenley Award when it was still called the Shenley Award for the league, uh, you know, for the top player in the league. So, I mean, he was a, a spectacular player, and uh, and frankly, uh, today probably would have never come to the CFL because he was, you know, one of the forerunners that gave black quarterbacks the opportunity to play uh, in the National Football League because of what he accomplished in the CFL. And now, of course. You know, we're sitting here watching a Lamar Jackson in this second year of Louisville going, that guy's not coming to the CFL. He's going right to the NFL and being a starting quarterback halfway through his first year. So uh, Warren was a special guy. I had the privilege of meeting him on a number of occasions. Uh, and I worked with Wilkie and at the U of A. Uh, he wasn't the best coach. Uh, he's sure of all of the people that we had there might have been the best guy. Like he just was devoid of ego. And it was a great lesson in humility being around him because he just, he was confident. He treated his players unbelievably well. He was more focused on education than he was on the excellence of the field. And again, he went 30, 48 and two in his uh, uh, 10 years at the uh, U of A and only made the playoffs once, but he did help salvage that football program. So I always have a warm spot to him. But this is a cool concept. I hope people get a part of it in the vote. And I'm glad to see that a lot of people have a lot of time for uh, uh, Kevin Lowe. And we have three cats in the house right now, and two of them are having a fight about a foot and a half away from the All right. Go break it up, Bob. Hey, I was happy to be on with you today. Thanks for coming on tonight, man. All right, Reed. Have fun. That is Bob Stoffer. Oilers now, noon to two every day on 630 Chet. A little more on the NHL and Chris Morris, U of A football coach, when we get back. Winter sleep, Kellen? It is. This is a great track. This would be one of my top 10 rock songs this century. Cool. Uh, these guys are from Yarmouth, Nova Scotia. I had to double check. I knew they were from the Maritimes. I couldn't remember uh, what province or community. Uh, that was uh, America off the album The Great Detachment, which came out in 2016. Mm -hmm. Just again to remind all of you, I do listen to music made after 1989. Mm -hmm. Not all the time, but occasionally. <laughs> and if people are looking for a spelling of that, if they wish to procure that track, uh, it is A-M-E-R-I-K-A. 
Don't forget, it's spelled a little differently right. than normal if America. You, if, you, if you're looking for that, Don, what was that? Do they still have Napster? Was that the first <laughs> streaming thing? <laughs> Napster is long gone, man. I think Lars Ulrich shut that down. Was that was was it was that the first streaming service? Yes. That and that and that people got upset about was that wasn't there, wasn't there something called Lime or LimeWire? LimeWire was well? uh, yeah, LimeWire I think came out around the same time as Napster, but LimeWire lasted a lot longer than Napster did. Napster as soon oh, as really? uh, Lars Ulrich and Metallica started making noise about it and that stuff, Napster was pretty much dead and gone within. So Napster years. was free music; you could yes. just download yeah. a song or an album, mm-hmm. and obviously the the artist didn't get any money. Yeah. Which isn't fair. They should get paid for their work, I think. Maybe I'm old-fashioned. 780-496-0063. It is uh, Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Okay, uh, I want to just get to a couple more. Uh, we got this other clip here from Matt Benning. And, again, I mentioned Matt Benning. His wife is a nurse. She is due very soon in the next couple of weeks. So given everything going on in Benning's life, Edmonton might be a hub. He's got to get uh, you know back to work. Uh, he was asked about uh, the testing that players are going to have to experience because it's likely going to be daily tests whenever they get to a hub city and start playing the tournament. Yeah, I think it's more of a educational experience. I, I mean, my wife's uh, in the medical field. She's a nurse, so she kind of knows how that all goes um, and that sort of thing. And and uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's uncomfortable, but it, it's part of it. And um, I mean, there's there's players that are already on the ice, so. Uh, we we wanted to um, do whatever we could to get out there and and get and get ready for for what's ahead, uh, regardless of what it is. So um, I think yeah, I think some players might complain about it, but at the end of the day, they're going to do it if they have the choice. So uh, regardless of what it is, it's uh, it's we're going to have to do it. All right, a little bit more there for Matt Banning, and you can get more on the five Oilers skating today on 630Ched.com. So it was Banning, Chase on, Tyler Benson, Stuart Skinner, and Chris Russell. I doubt they're going to be out there every day. These are usually how these types of things go if players are getting on the ice a little more in July and August and using, in a normal season I'm talking about, and using team facilities. Some days there might be... 17 guys someday there might be seven some days there they might just say we're not going to skate this day well we're going to take a day off or or do something else so it's a little bit of progress but the players are getting back out onto the ice it's this things are obviously going to change i mean we talk about things going back to normal i i don't think that everything in the world is going to be back to how it was before the pandemic and maybe some things will change for the better right i mean you never you never know i think humans are pretty adaptable and can do a pretty good job of figuring out where we want to go when we have to go through a crisis like this from a sports standpoint we're going to see hockey played probably into next july if all goes according to plan i mean the nhl wants an entire next season so say this season finishes second week of october maybe they take a month off uh, November 15th, the next year starts. So it's still, it goes a month longer and goes into July. I read an article on the weekend by Mike Chambers from the Denver Post who covers the NHL, covers the Colorado, Colorado Avalanche. And he said that he's talked to a couple of sources who indicated that this could be, could lead to a permanent shift in the NHL schedule. That maybe we come out of this and the NHL now says, oh, okay our season now goes from November 15th to July 15th, or even from December 1st to July 30th. 
And one of his arguments was, and, and, and Bob and I have talked about this before, this, this, is, this is nothing new, but some team owners in cities where there's a strong NFL presence, which is pretty much any city that has an NFL team, the NFL team's bigger than the hockey team. Maybe Detroit's an exception. Um, they don't like a lot of home games in October, November, and December. The Dallas Stars request more home games after January 1st because they don't want to be pushed so far down in the news cycle behind the Cowboys and even behind NCAA football for that matter. I mean, obviously there's going to be some head to head against the, the NBA, though they wouldn't both play a home game on the same night if it's a shared arena. So that was where Chambers was coming from, that he thinks there are going to be some American teams who push for this and to say, you know what, this is great. Let's start December 1st. Let's only have one month up, up against the NFL regular season and then you know we'll live with January and the playoffs and the Super Bowl and the NHL never schedules games during the Super Bowl anyway that was his pitch and I thought it was really interesting and it was something that had crossed my mind that 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 could happen out of this I don't think that's going to happen though ultimately because the anything the NHL does they have to do with the approval of the Players Association and I think hockey players and still about half the league is Canadian want a quote-unquote normal summer that okay if you're out of the playoffs you're done in the second week in april and then teams get eliminated from there and everybody is off for most of june and july and august and then you get back into training camp in september so i thought that was i, I thought it was a really good point made by chambers i would not be surprised if some teams push for it but I ultimately don't think it's going to happen because I don't think players would want to adjust their summers where the team's going to this, you know, where the guaranteed time off is August, September and, and part of October. I just ultimately don't think that would fly with, with the players association. What I am, another thing with schedule wise, I'm curious to see out of this from the NHL is if they might do some sort of adjustment with the length of road trips and who you play when you go on a road trip. I always remember Brian Burke, who's who's on with Bob every Thursday in Oilers now. He told a great story earlier in the season. I can't even remember now, probably November, that when he was GM of the Ducks and they put out their scheduling request and gave their home dates, they always asked for long road trips. Brian Burke said he always wanted six-game road trips, that they rarely got it. But if he said, but he said, if you're sending us to the East Coast, let's play the Devils, Islanders, Rangers, Capitals, Flyers, and Penguins. Like, let's not go play three of them and then come back and play another three or four and, you know, throw in Boston and Hartford probably still. Yeah, I guess Hartford still would have been in the league for a while. Or no, I guess not when he was with Anaheim. Anyway, you know what I'm saying. Um, I wonder if the NHL now will try harder to do this because this pandemic is around, this virus is around. We know that travel and airplanes and staying in hotels – is uh you know a, a pretty a more sure a higher percentage way to transmit it that's what i'm trying to say and staying in, in different hotels and traveling and changing time zones and getting tired that makes you more susceptible to getting sick so i wonder if the nhl is going to say okay when you go on a road trip you're going you're now you're going for two weeks and you're going to play six seven eight games and sometimes when the – this year they actually played the, the Rangers, Islanders, and Devils all in one trip. That often doesn't happen. I mean, they're right there in the New York area, and they'll play a couple teams and then go back to face the other one. Also within the conference, could we see double headers? 
So let's say in the rotation, Chicago has to play. Uh, it's the year they come to Edmonton and Calgary twice. Could they go Calgary Saturday, Edmonton Monday and Wednesday back to Calgary the following Saturday? You know, could the Oilers go to California and play San Jose, Anaheim, LA, Anaheim, LA, back up to San Jose and then home? And there's their California trip. So you're getting more of that out of the way. Just things popping through my head about more of the further impact that the pandemic could have on the NHL down the road. 780-496-0063 to call or text. Uh, pretty devastating news in youth sports today. There will be no sports in the fall. So hockey, basketball, volleyball will start in January. Football. The uh, headline sport in the fall will not be played this season. When we get back, Golden Bears football. Appreciate you tuning in tonight. Uh, Ron Lowe, former Oilers goalie and head coach, was scheduled to join us tomorrow. We, we did have Ron lined up for tonight. If you heard me on Oilers Now, I did promo Ron being on the show this evening. He had something come up, so he had to switch to uh, a different night. So Ron Lowe scheduled to join us tomorrow. Kelly Rudy is going to be on on uh, Thursday night. And, of course, we'll bring you some other great guests along the way. Well, U Sports, it is uh, not going to happen this fall. There will not be any Canadian University sports contested in the fall to discuss further the head coach of the Alberta Golden Bears football team, Chris Morris. Chris, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing as well as possible. How about you? Well, I'm doing okay. This is tough news today. I guess we kind of had a – well, we knew this was a possibility – Tell me how this has sort of evolved for you towards hoping to have an eight-game season and then you're going to have a five-game season and now no season. How has this progressed in your mind? Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny. If you, kind of, if you know how it works at the U-sports level, it, there's been some breadcrumbs sort of leading in this direction right from the beginning, right? So, you know, COVID came along and, and obviously was a huge, huge factor all over the world. And especially, like, you know, in our community here, it's had big effects. You take a look at the kids and, and what happens on campus, and that that's where that's where you know if you know how it's funded, you know that this this season this season couldn't happen, right? Like all of all of U Sports athletics is funded by student fees in pretty much every single program across the country. So student fees are dependent upon students being in school and students being on campus and students, you know, like it's part of the, it's part of the experience of being a, an athlete the, on a university campus in Canada. Well, you know, as soon as you announce that there will be, there will not be students on campus and really the majority of learning is going to be done remotely and it's going to be done through the internet and all those things, that's going to, you know, that means there's no fees coming in. And, and to be honest with you, Reed, if there's no fees coming in, there's no money for athletics. The athletics has to be funded by something. It's not like all the universities across the country have a, a big fund that they use to, to support athletics. It's done through the students and, and as part of their tuition and all those sort of things. So, you know, when it was announced that there weren't going to be students on campus this fall, I think there were a lot of people, you know, uh-oh, this could go bad. And that's what's happened. And now, now we're in a situation where, you know, it is COVID. It's, it's created by COVID, but the reality is it's financial. And there just is not, like, there, there's some health implications and all that sort of stuff. And that may or may not clear up between now and the fall. But the reality is there will not be money to, fo- to, 
to fund athletics right now. And if there's no money to fund athletics, you just can't have a season. And that's that's the unfortunate reality of the situation. Are you worried beyond this season, even if the pandemic situation improves? You know what? I'm not. Like I, I, I think I think our society values the impact of athletics in, in young people's lives. I, I think it's important for there to be university athletics, and I think everybody understands the importance of it. Um, the, the reality is, Reed, like a, a large portion of our budget, more than half of our budget, we raise through fundraising. We raise through, you know, the Eskimo, the Edmonton Eskimo 50-50 fund, the, you know, our, our fundraising dinners, our golf tournaments, you know, people who, who just like our program and like what it does for young people. Like we, we have a bunch of different streams of revenue that come in that, that actually fund more than half of our program. So like from, from that standpoint, none of our, None of our donors have lost interest or the desire to support us or any of those sort of things. The reality is it's just really, really hard right now. And, and raising money and telling someone, look, we, we, you know, we, can you help us this year is a really, really tough ask. And, and it's something that ethically you, you, you ask yourself, is it really, is this the time to ask people for money? And, you know, you, you have to ask for enough to survive and to make sure that this program continues because I really do feel strongly about, the impact this this program has on the community i feel the kids that come through here go out and do great things and and become strong contributing members and and their their experience here at at u of a is a big part of that and part of that part of the athletics program at u of a you know i i I believe in those things very very strongly so i think i think it's important to advocate for that but our our ability to fundraise has been compromised and and it's going to hurt us a little bit but the fact that a lot of our money comes from our own individual fundraising efforts i think that's going to help us long term here because it's not completely university dependent chris morris u of a golden bears football coach joining us today on inside sports they will not have a season in 2020 can you sum up for fans how this how if at all it affects athletes eligibility what's going to happen to this lost year for the guys yeah, well, it sounds like from what's been released so far from U Sports is that that the eligibility will not be impacted, so kids won't lose that year of eligibility. Now, in football, we have a very specific rule. It's it's the age rule, so you're not allowed to play football in U Sports once you turn 25. And I know everybody's very very hopeful that the kids still have the opportunity to play, even if even you know. So for this one group of kids that are coming through, maybe they get to play until they're 26 just to make sure that kids don't lose out on their last year of eligibility. We have a bunch of kids who have put in so much time and effort and they're heading into that last year, which is a very special experience for them. I would hate to see them lose it. Um, From that standpoint, that's really the one sort of unanswered thing right now. I know, I know the other kids are all going to be fine and they're going to be given their eligibility back. Uh, The scholarship piece, you know, it's, it's, it's tricky because some kids won't be on campus and some kids will. And, and I think each school is going to work through independently on how they're going to work through the, the scholarship piece. Um, there's commitments that have been made. I know U of A is very strong on making sure we honor all of our commitments and make sure that, you know, we take care of the kids that, that, that have committed to us. So, you know, but every school is going to be different and that's going to look different in every single program. And there's going to be a whole bunch that people have to sort of sort through here over the next few months. Will you be allowed to hold any sort of practices or team activities while all this is going on or into the fall? Yeah, I sure hope so. You know, I, I you know, you, right now you can host stuff if there's like ten guys or less. There's provincial regulations on what you can do if like just sort of sort of strength and conditioning and, and sort of uh, individual group type work. 
Um, as as we progress through this pandemic and through the the dying off of this pandemic, I, I think regulations are going to be you know lifted more and more, and we should be able to get onto the field. My hope would be that in September, October, November, we can practice, and we have, we're having you know you know three practices a week, and we're doing strength and conditioning, and you know our study hall program is up and running, and we're taking care of student athletes with every aspect of this thing, besides the fact that we play on Saturday afternoons. And Chris, you guys were coming off a year where you had a lot of exciting games. You definitely made some progress. And, and I believe, you'll, you'll correct me if I'm wrong, I, I think you might have had your best recruiting class of all time since you became the head coach. Um, is this a, a loss of momentum for the program, or, or do you not even think about that? Do you just think that you'll have it when you get back in 2021? Well, yeah, I don't think there's any guarantee we'll have it when we get back in 2021. I think the the key for everybody across the country and the question everybody around the country has got to ask themselves is how are we going to, how are we going to improve during this time? Like there's, there's a whole bunch of opportunities ahead of us here to get better. And the teams that, that take advantage of those opportunities as opposed to feel sorry for themselves, I think they're going to be in the best position coming out of this thing. You know, we've done lots of work already with Zoom and, and, and lots, of, lots of meetings and lots of, lots of football IQ development and lots of film sessions. We've been working consistently since, since, you know, since this pandemic has started. So we feel we're ahead of the game. We feel we've used technology really effectively. For us, it's just a matter of continuing that and just really, really push the envelope with what we can do and make sure we're constantly in our kids' ears to make sure that they know, like, you know, not playing in the fall doesn't mean there's not another football season. Like, the season's coming. It's just a matter of, like, how do we prepare ourselves the best possible way that when it does come, we're in a great position to be successful. And we got we have some great kids coming back. we got some great coaches here. We, we're, we feel like we've got this thing put together right. We're, we're a mature team now. Like, we're... We're feeling very good, so I don't think we're going to lose all of that. The, the key is to, you know, how do we grow during this time? How do we how do we take advantage of the opportunities that are here? Chris, I really appreciate you coming on the show. We'll we'll stay in touch. It's going to be weird not having you and your players on to talk about games in the fall, but we're still going to find a way to to profile you and your players as much as we can. Thank you for talking about this topic, man. Sounds great. Thanks very much. All right, that's Chris Morris, the head coach of the U of A Golden Bears football team. Uh, more on that story on 630Ched.com. Ian Reed, the athletic director at the U of A, was on with Bob earlier. I also had a conversation with Rocky Olford, who's the Canada West managing director. There's going to be, as with everything, there's going to be a long-term fallout here for U sports. So they're, they're losing the fees, some of the funding from students actually being on campus. And then what happens if there's still some sort of social distancing or some sort of interaction limits for these teams once they get playing. So they take a bus somewhere and you can't have a seat made on the bus. Well, you're going to need two buses. That's an extra transportation cost. Okay. You're on a road trip. You have an overnight. Oh, you can't share a room with somebody. Like sometimes these teams might even have three players in a room. So now Everybody has their own room. That increases the cost. This this is a, a financial problem for Canadian university sports. And I'm not sure how they're going to solve it. I mean, if, if students start going to classes again, then, then the fees will come back. But if there's still a year or two potentially of social distancing or virus concerns and 
you got to limit the way you can interact and change the way you travel. That just drives up costs. So this is going to be a very uh, difficult challenge for the U of A and, and really schools across the province. And I should include ACAC and, and all the other levels of competition as well. So we got to keep that in mind. 6.30, Ched, mornings, protests continue around the world following the death of George Floyd. Is the impact being felt? Chelsea and Shea will chat about it tomorrow on 6.30, Ched, mornings. Thanks a lot to Dave Campbell. He's the producer of Inside Sports. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy, your studio producer. Hey, hope all of you are doing well, all 14 of you. I appreciate your listenership. Have a great evening. I'll talk to you at 7 tomorrow. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.